Hello everyone and welcome to episode 108 of the Unlocking British English podcast, a podcast where I talk about a variety of different topics in real British English so that you can improve your listening comprehension, learn a little bit more about British culture and about how to learn languages more effectively. My name is Shane and in today's episode we're going to be talking about Stonehenge. So Stonehenge is a monument, a place that I'm sure a lot of you have heard of, it's very famous. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about what it is, uh, when it came, well, when it was, when it appeared, when it first was built, what it might be, and all these different things. So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before I jump into the full episode, just a couple of quick reminders. Uh, the first is that if you're not already, it would be great to see you in our private learners group. This is a place where you can meet and join with other people who are also listening to this podcast, other people who are also trying to improve their English just like you, uh, connect with other people with similar goals and chat and uh, yeah, practice your English and you'll have access to all kinds of different stuff that we're going to be starting to do uh, in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, the link to join is in the description wherever you are listening to this episode, you'll be able to, to join that link for free. Uh, and the other thing is, yeah, I'm still working with a few more people with the new courses that I've been working on. So uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you would like an opportunity to improve your English communication skills, your English speaking skills, and you would like uh, to have the opportunity to work with me directly, I'm offering free 30-minute consultations uh, so we can sit down and chat about your goals and what you're trying to achieve and if I might be able to help you with what you're trying to do. So there's no charge, no cost, uh, but it's just 30 minutes and we'll sit down and, and go through what you're trying to achieve at the moment. So yeah, again, if you're interested in that, then the link will be in the description wherever you are listening to this episode. So yeah, without any more preamble, let's get into it. So Stonehenge, I'm sure pretty much everyone listening to this episode already knows uh, what Stonehenge is, but it's a prehistoric monument um, in, and it's in Salisbury in Wiltshire in England, in the south of England. Uh, it's actually not too far from where I live, I think probably about 40 minutes driving uh, to get to Stonehenge um, and basically it consists of uh, an outer ring of large vertical stones. Um, these are each around 13 feet high or about 4 meters high um, and about 7 feet wide or 2 meters wide uh, and each one of these outer stones weighs about 25 tons uh, which is very big uh, for reference is about four times as heavy as an elephant. So each one of these stones weighs about the same as four elephants, which is uh, pretty incredible. Huge stones. Um, and then, uh, well, there you have these this ring of outer stones on the outside, uh, and then you have also these sort of other stones that are laying horizontally along the top. Uh, so some of them almost look like a kind of massive stone doorway, right? You have the two vertical stones going up and one horizontally uh, along the top. And then inside there is another kind of inner ring of smaller stones and then there's a few different things kind of inside but essentially the main sort of structure as we know it uh, is these kind of 
two rings of these huge stones uh, and with a, a few slightly smaller ones uh, inside. And yeah, it's it's one of the most famous landmarks in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's one of the oldest landmarks in the world. Uh, and Stonehenge generally is regarded as kind of a, a, a British cultural icon. Uh, it's been legally protected as an ancient monument uh, since 1882, uh, which was when we introduced legislation and laws to protect historic monuments so it was one of the first um, things to be protected as an ancient monument when we started to do those things uh, and it's also part of uh, the UNESCO's World Heritage Sites uh, which is you know just the sort of big famous historical sites around the world and it was recognized by that in 1986 um, so yeah it's it's a, a well-known thing that is protected uh, by a lot of big institutions big uh, important institutions Interestingly, though, it's actually owned by the Crown. Um, I didn't know that. I don't really know how that works. But anyway, uh, yeah, so the, the Crown of England, so technically the Queen owns Stonehenge, um, which is a bit weird. But anyway, um, but it's managed by uh, a sort of company or group of people called the English Heritage Society. And so um the the National Trust, which is another kind of body of people that look after um, different kind of areas of land, forests and different things, they manage the land, um, but the Crown technically owns it. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's, um, it's like I say, I would assume that most of you already know about it because it's a very famous thing. Um, but even though lots of us know about it, there's not the there's not a whole lot that we know about the actual site itself, right? Because it's very, very, very old, we don't have a ton of, like, verified information, right? So, um, but, well, let's talk about when we think it was... Um, when it was built. Well, they say, when you look at the kind of official like writings about it and stuff they'll talk about it being raised right so the stones were raised that might sound a little bit weird but anyway we can talk about when it was built so to speak even though it wasn't necessarily built in the same way that we would build a house or different kind of uh, structures like that but anyway uh, archaeologists believe that Stonehenge was constructed somewhere in between 3000 and 2000 BCE before common era um, so yes this is what so four five thousand years ago something like that um it's hard to know exactly for several reasons first is that uh it seems to have been kind of constructed almost in stages it wasn't all put together um all of it at the same time there were kind of uh the land was adapted at one point so there were ditches dug into the land right these big kind of um well you can almost imagine like a hole but not just in one spot like a, a continuous circle uh where they're digging into the land where they can sort of you know put the base of these big stones uh initially then you had like the outer ring of these bigger stones and then uh later the inner stones was, were added and um yeah things were kind of built and put together in 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 different times and different sort of periods um and so yeah it could have been started as early as 3000 BCE um but we think most of it was done yeah in that kind of period around 2500 BCE 2400 BCE something like that but the construction seems to have taken place over a few hundred years um so we don't know exactly we couldn't say exactly when uh when it started um 
Another thing that we can't say, uh, we can't answer exactly, another question that we can't answer exactly is what is it, right? So um, this is actually one of the reasons that Stonehenge has kind of become and stayed so famous is because there's a lot of kind of mystery and mythology surrounding it because we don't know exactly what it is and why it's there and exactly who put it there. Um, Stonehenge was produced by a culture that didn't leave written records of what they were doing and why they were doing it. So we don't know directly from those people uh, what happened. Um, and so many aspects of, of what it is and how it was built and, and what purpose it serves just remain subject to debate uh, and like I say because of that a number of different myths have uh, risen because of that there's uh, there's been all kinds of different stories and myths throughout the years from uh, giants putting it there to aliens to wizards all this different kind of stuff but um, uh, yeah one of the most popular theories uh, is that it could have been essentially like an ancient burial ground initially. Um, there have been deposits or, uh, and findings of like old human bones from as early as 3000 BCE uh, when the when the early kind of land was being adapted and this thing was first starting to be constructed. So we've we found you know old human remains and things like that. Um, another thing that is noted about it is that a lot of the the stones seem to align with um, what's called the, the the winter and summer solstice. This has to do with um, kind of where the sun rises and sets and where the sun sits at its peak when we transition from summer to winter and from winter to summer. Um, again, there are a lot of different kind of... Um, uh, beliefs and mythologies and different things that exist around those kind of ideas and so because these stones align pretty well uh, with the with the sun and, and with these different periods of, of time uh, a lot of people believe that it, you know it has had a lot of kind of ancient uh, ritualistic kind of uses so people would do different kind of rituals um, of course that could have been to do with with anything right we, we really don't know uh, but yeah these different kind of rituals and stuff um, and another reason actually another quite interesting thing about Stonehenge is that the rocks themselves have been noted to have these kind of unusual acoustic properties right so the acoustics of something is how um, what happens to sound that's created within that space so people will talk about the acoustics of a room for example if uh, if, a, if a singer is performing in a certain place uh, they'll, they'll want there to be what they would call good acoustics which means there's not too much echo there's not too uh, too much sound rebounding and bouncing off so you get the repeating of sounds and uh, you get these unusual kind of high pitch rings and different stuff um, and so yeah there's uh, the stones have been reported to have these kind of strange acoustic properties which which is to say that um, the echoes and the vibrations that it gives off when certain sounds are made within the circle again lead people to believe that it's probably been used for a lot of kind of uh, different rituals and things that would involve music and chanting and singing and different things um, because yeah you could you can imagine the kind of effect that that would have if you had like quite a large number of people all inside this uh, this kind of structure all singing and chanting and different things the uh, the 
acoustics that that would create, the echoes and sound effects that that would create would be would be pretty cool. But yeah, essentially, we, we really don't know what it is and, and what it's for, again, because we don't have a direct record um, from the people who put it there. Um, and so again, we don't know exactly uh, how it was built. There's pretty much no direct evidence revealing the techniques that were used by the people that built it. Um, like I mentioned before, there have been various different theories about how this stuff got there, and a lot of them have been kind of um, mystical and mythological, mythological, uh, mythological, <laughs> mystical and mythological in, in in their nature, which is to say, you know, there's lots of things like, uh, well, like I said, a lot of the popular um, theories were things to do with giants from, you know, his, historical giants that now didn't exist anymore. They had moved the stones uh, from a different place. There was uh, myths about uh, Merlin, the one of the like, famous mythical wizards from, um, yeah, British mythology. You might have come across in, in different uh, children's stories and things like that. Uh, there were stories of, of him um, moving the stones and different things. Uh, a lot of people would say that aliens put it there or, you know, some kind of beings that came from, from somewhere else put it there. Um, and, and one of the main reasons that these kinds of stories and myths have been able to continue is because the, the size of these stones just it makes it hard for us to believe that people could to could you know transport these massive stones put them there and build these things and especially without the kind of technology that we have now this of course is a little bit of a bias because we now living in this time we think of the kind of technology we have these huge machines that can pick up and lift and move stuff um, and we imagine a world without those as being you know, less equipped and less advanced, and well, of course, it, it is less advanced in that sense. But of course, there have been lots of um, you know, uh, kind of effective technologies that people use to do pretty incredible stuff, uh, even in ancient history. Uh, and although we don't know exactly how it was done, it does seem like there's good reason to believe that it probably wasn't magical giants or aliens or wizards or things like that. Um, and that's because we know that there are ways of moving big heavy things like that, that people of that time had access to. So for for example, one of the most common ways that people would have moved big heavy structures in that time would have been by creating a big track of logs, right? So like imagine like a, a big tree where you, you cut off the bottom and you cut off the top, right? So you have this big long round thing you get a, a, a big track of logs you put one in front of the other um, and you can put something heavy on top of that and then if you push that along it will roll along the top of these logs right um, that's a way that a lot of people in a lot of different societies around the world used to move things that were very heavy um, and people have done tests of this kind where they've um, you know they've got big stones that are pretty much the same sort of size and weight and they've tried to move it um, using this kind of technology and you can do it it's, it's, it's perfectly doable um, another way that people actually used to move heavy stuff which seems less likely when you 
when you imagine it but again people have actually tested this um, with things of a similar size a similar weight or even heavier um, but another method that people used to use to try and move really heavy stuff was to have uh, like a type of sleigh um, right like you know like Father Christmas would have with the reindeers the reindeers pull the sleigh so it's essentially like a I don't know, like an old sort of car, but it doesn't have wheels, right? It's just sat on two bits of wood, and you can drag it along. Um, and, and what they used to do is they would create a, a, a sort of track, and they would grease it, they would um, lubricate it with animal fat, right? So they would take animal fat and, and cook it or treat it or do whatever, and they would use that to make the track kind of slippy, and then they would pull this big sleigh along this track that was now kind of, it was easier to pull because of the because it was greased by the animal fat uh, again sounds really weird but uh, people have, have tried to recreate this um, in, a, in a place near Stonehenge uh, not that long ago actually in this occasion it was 1995 um, and there was a team of about a hundred people and they managed to uh, to push uh, this big stone that was actually it was 40 tons uh, so it was bigger than a lot of the stones that are actually in Stonehenge they managed to push it 18 miles uh, which is 29 kilometers uh, which is quite a long way um, but this is actually again another thing that kind of adds to the mysticism of, of this whole thing because it's one thing to say that okay technically people could have moved these stones from one place to another but how far would you really be able to do that because um, another thing about the the stones something that we that we do know uh, is that a lot of these these big stones seem to have come from nearly 200 miles away um, from a site that uh, from a quarry in Wales so they were they were transported 200 miles which is a really long way uh, to transport anything uh, in you know in prehistoric times but especially to move something of this kind of size and we're not of course talking about just one stone we're talking about several of these very big stones um so you have to to to, to take them you know a, a long way so um yeah because of the fact that we don't know exactly what happened people have been able to fill in the gaps with either their imagination or their best guess based on the facts the that we do have uh and so yeah there are a lot of different theories but again um it, there's good reason to think that it it might have just been a very impressive uh, architectural feat right it might have just been that they managed to get these massive rocks there and build it and it just it you know seems hard to believe but that was what they did because there were ways that they could have done that and just because it seems uh like it was you know unlikely or whatever you know we don't know the purpose for doing it you know maybe the you know there was a, a a deeper reason that they felt like they needed to do that and so you know if everyone is united behind this important cause then yeah why not but you know who knows maybe it was aliens or, or magic giants but uh, anyway Stonehenge uh, is there it's still there today uh, sat there in Salisbury um, and you can go and visit it lots of people do in fact more than a million people will visit Stonehenge every year um, it's a little bit different visiting Stonehenge now than it was when it first kind of opened up um, so when Stonehenge was first opened to the public uh, it was just 
kind of free you just uh, like it was open to walk around you could kind of just walk around wherever so you could walk in and among the stones and people would even climb on the stones there was no real rules or anything um, that was until 1977 uh, and the stones were then roped off so they kind of created a a, a sort of little fence with a bit of rope right so you um, you can you can walk around the stones and look at it uh, but generally on like a normal day you wouldn't uh, go inside to to touch the stones and do anything like that now there are some exceptions there are certain times of the year where you can be permitted to go inside the stones um, I, I imagine that there will be specific rules still about you know touching and things like that you I think you were allowed to touch it like to you know to literally touch it just to take a picture or something like that but certainly you wouldn't be allowed to you know climb on it and do things like that or whatever um which you know I, I guess that seems a bit like stupid to us now that people were climbing on the stones and stonehenge and things like that but I guess you know before it became a rule you just why not I guess it seemed like a an interesting thing to do but anyway um, you can book like a special it's almost like a VIP tour uh, you can book like a special tour to go inside the stones or you can wait for the specific times of year around these uh, summer and winter solstices they have these kind of events where people are allowed to go inside um, it does cost to go there um, you know, for the average person for general admission, um, it costs £21.50 for, for the average adult to go. Um, but local residents are allowed to go for free. Um, there's like a there's like an agreement with the with the local government and things that was that was created a long time ago. And so if you live uh, within a certain area, within a certain distance from Stonehenge, uh, you're allowed to go and visit for free. Uh, and because it is uh, managed by the the National Trust and the the British Heritage Society, um, it, it, there are like different memberships that you can have to those to those clubs. Uh, and so the idea is that you kind of you buy this membership, uh, you're you're paying this small amount of money, which helps to maintain these these societies uh, that are maintaining these historical artifacts and all this different stuff. But then it also will give you access to certain little things. So yeah, you can go to Stonehenge for free, or you can go and visit certain things uh, for a, a smaller price. And so um, yeah, you you generally on an average day you would go and you would kind of walk around it. You would see it. Um, you know, it's not from a big distance you're still quite close to it but you're generally not allowed to go inside it apart from on these specific days or if you book a specific kind of VIP tour um, and then they also have like a kind of museum which has some of the different things that they've found when they've you know people have done different digs over the years to try and find out more information uh, yes, they've got all that kind of stuff and all the information that they do have about the area is kind of um, you know can be found in that museum and then there's like a little gift shop and a cafe or whatever so that you can you know make a little bit more of a day of it um, because you know to be honest as big as the stones are and as impressive as it is and all that you know it's not a huge site so you you you're probably not going to spend like a huge amount of time just walking around it right because you could walk around the whole thing pretty quickly um and so you know you'd want to stand there and kind of appreciate it and look at it for a bit of time but you're also probably not going to be stood there for like two hours right because you there's 
not that much to see um you know unless maybe you've gone there specifically with loads of historical research and you want to you know like really try and look at it and analyze stuff and come up with your own theories or whatever but anyway you can go and visit it it's quite interesting to a lot of people it's uh, quite easy to find uh, easy parking and all that kind of stuff so it's a, a pretty cool little thing to go and see if you happen to find yourself in the south of england so uh, yeah that's a little bit about stonehenge so i guess that is pretty much everything that I wanted to talk about in today's episode. Again, there's not a huge amount that we know for absolute sure, so you know it's open to a lot of um, mystery and interpretation and things like that. So yeah, if you have your own theory about Stonehenge, about what it is, about how it was built, about why it's there, then I would love to hear from you. Maybe you can send us a message in the private learners group and uh, yeah, tell me tell me what you think or tell us what you what you think about it. And so yeah, that is all for today's episode. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I will look forward to speaking to you again in the next one.